Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, many years ago, there was a very wise man here at Mundelein Seminary when I was a seminarian. His name was Dr. Richard Issel. He taught psychology here, and uh, we all took his courses. There were courses in the psychology of parish priesthood, some were in counseling, He's a very good teacher. But Dr. Rissell had a principle that stayed with me now all these years. He said this, you want to be happy? Stop worrying about being happy and get along the task of being fulfilled. Let me say it again. You want to be happy? Stop fussing about being happy and get going on the task of being fulfilled. What he meant was, Serve your community, study your books, do the work of the church, be fulfilled, and happiness will take care of itself. Happiness, he taught us, is a byproduct of fulfillment. So don't worry about happiness, worry about fulfillment, getting yourself engaged in the world. Good principle, psychologically. Sometimes people get stuck fussing about their happiness. Forget about it. Get going, act, do, move. Well, I would say we can apply the Issel principle very well to the spiritual life. You want to be holy? Stop fussing so much about your holiness and get going with the task of discipleship. Stop fussing about your interiority and get going with the work of the gospel the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, announcing, proclaiming, evangelizing, taking care of the poor, do what Christ calls you to do. And you become holy behind your own back. Holiness tends to take care of itself. I thought of this because of our passage, our gospel passage for today. Jesus is talking about his followers. Listen. Jesus said to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill. Salt, light, and a city. What do we notice? All of those things are for the sake of something outside of them. Salt. What does salt do? Well, you don't serve salt as a side course. Salt isn't really eaten for its own sake. Salt is rather put into meat, especially in Jesus' time, to preserve it, to spice it up, to make it taste better. What's the point of the church? The point of the church, finally, is not to fuss about itself. The point of the church is to spice up the world, to preserve what's good and right and true in the world, it exists for the sake of what's outside of it. What else can salt be used for? 
We know it here in Chicago. Salt melts ice. It makes things flow that are frozen. What's the church's task? By being followers of Christ, we loosen up a world that's frozen in its own self-regard, that's frozen in its violent ways. We have this melting influence around us. We're meant, though, not for ourselves, but for that icy world that needs to flow again. What else does salt do? In the ancient world, when they conquered a city, they'd knock down the walls. They'd raise the city to the ground. And then, really to rub it in, they would salt the ground, they'd salt the earth, make sure nothing would ever grow there again. Salt has a destructive power. It's meant to destroy certain things. Christians, are we meant to destroy certain things in the world? Yes. All those manifestations of sin, all those ways that life is violated, all those forms of hatred and exclusion and violence, we're meant to interrupt them. We're meant to get in their way. The purpose of the church is not to fuss about itself, but to affect the world, spicing it up, preserving it, making it flow, destroying certain things in it. That's our task in the world. You are a light for the world, Jesus says. Mind you, you never really see light. You see what light illumines. You see the effects of light, what light bounces off of back to your eye. So the church's purpose is not so much to look at itself, to fuss about itself. The church's purpose is to cast light on the world. What does light do? It allows people to move and to see. It allows them to make their way. That's why Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. In, in my light, people see what to do and where to go. You, the church, are meant to participate in my light, to illumine the paths of the world. What else does light do? It shines in dark places and illumines what's going on in them. Salt is meant to interrupt and to kill off certain things. So light is meant to be shined into dark corners where hatred dwells, where violence festers, where old animosities are still alive. The church's job is to shed light, like the divine judgment on them, to allow people to see, yes, and to expose what needs to be exposed. Our purpose is extroverted. It's for the sake of the world. You are a city set on a hill. What's he mean? I think it's kind of a navigational idea, both on land and sea. The city set up on the hill, well, that was a guide. If you're coming in by sea, and you want to know, where's this harbor? Ah, there's the city. There's that great city. And I can guide my ship by its position. Or you're on land. Where am I? How do I get there? Oh, there's that city set up on the hill. That shows me the way. So the church is meant to be elevated. Now listen. Not to aggrandize itself. Look at me. Look at me. Look at the church up on the hill. Not to aggrandize itself, not to increase its own power. But the church is meant to be visible, high up, so that the people in the world can see it and know how to guide their lives by.
by it. We are for the world. That's the point. But now listen, here's the devastating thing now about this gospel, and we need to listen to this carefully. So you're the salt of the earth, says Jesus. But what if the salt goes flat? How can you restore its flavor? Then it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world, but men don't light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. What happens to us, the church, when we lose our saltiness? What happens to us when we put our light under a bushel basket Then we lose our whole purpose? What does it mean for the church to lose its saltiness? It means to lose its distinctiveness, its spicy particularity, its slightly annoying uniqueness. When the church simply blends in with the world, it doesn't help the world. Stay with that idea. When the church simply blends in with the world, it loses its mission to the world. We look like everybody else, sound like everybody else, move like everybody else, have the same opinions and ideas. Well, then who needs us? What good do we do? The church must hang on to its saltiness. Otherwise, it preserves nothing. Otherwise, it spices up nothing. Otherwise, it threatens nothing. Christians, how often this strikes me. If we, as Christians, threaten no one, our ideas, our way of life, upset no one, then we're not doing our task. We lose our saltiness, we make nothing flow. We interrupt no evil process. You're the light of the world. Put your light under a bushel basket? What good does it do? Well, it lights the inside of the bushel basket. So what? The church is not meant to illumine itself. It's meant to illumine the world. How do we lose our light when we are as dark as everybody else? When we're as unfocused as everybody else? When we become a vague echo of the secular culture, then we put our light under a bushel basket. Can I give you a concrete example of this? There's a great book written by James Burchell called The Dying of the Light. You know what it's about? It's about Christian colleges and universities in this country that were founded to be Christian and that over time lost their way. Over time, very gradually, they accommodated themselves to the environing culture so that now they look, act, appear like any other secular university. His message is, it's happened in so many of the Protestant universities. Princeton, Yale, Harvard, Northwestern, University of Chicago, they're all founded as Christian schools. Now, they're secular academies. And, says Birchall, it can happen to Loyola, Boston College, Notre Dame, Georgetown. It can happen to the Catholic universities. If we allow the light of Catholic Christian specificity to go out, 
if we allow the salty particularity of our vision to become flat. One problem, of course, we face in this country. Our history here as Catholics is interesting, complex. We came here back in the 19th century, a lot of the immigrants came, and we entered into a very Protestant culture. So Catholics ghettoized themselves. They lived together in their own neighborhoods, their own parishes, their own hospitals, their own schools. What was emphasized, and this is good, was particularity, distinctiveness. We looked and sounded different. But you know the danger was? The danger was that we didn't go out to the world adequately. The danger could be that we were salty for our own sake, but not for the world. We didn't invade the culture. I mean entertainment. I mean politics. I mean newspapers and media. We were, te- we were more ghettoized. But then, then, after the council, the opposite problem. We forgot about our distinctiveness. We were so eager to go out to the world that we became largely an echo of the world. Well, you have to do both, Christians. Salt must be salty if it's to affect the world. Light must be light if it's to illumine the world. The city must be distinctively set up on the hill if it's going to guide anybody in the world. That's the trick. It's very subtle that Jesus is calling us to here. Salt, light, and a city. We find our holiness in cultivating our distinctiveness and using it for the good of the world. Finally, to bring all things, all people, into the kingdom of Christ, under the aegis of Christ. Be salty, be light, be a city on the hill. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.